Hello, and thanks for coming back to Character Speaks, a podcast in partnership with ProSign Design to spotlight passionate character educators who are walking the talk. I'm your host, Barbara Gruner, and today we are visiting with Lisa King in Georgia. She is a school counselor. She is an author of two books. We'll let her tell you about those because she's a growth mindset guru. I understand that she's also a wife, so she's got a family at home. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Barbara. I'm so humbly excited and wow, this is very fun to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, we've already discussed that we're both stepping out into digital foreigner territory when we take on new challenges, right? Absolutely. That's what it's all about. But it definitely is new in technology for people that are seasoned, shall we say. Um, And, you know, some of the young counselors and educators out there are more comfortable with it. But that's what growth mindset is all about, is sitting in the uncomfortable so that we can grow ourselves to help grow our students. Nice. Today, I had the chance to go back to my former school and do a read aloud to some fifth graders. And I just casually mentioned that I had a podcast Then a hand went up, and I thought he had a connection to the book, and he goes, excuse me, but what is a podcast? (laughs) That is funny. So I wonder what age it is that podcasts are the norm and what age they just don't know what it is. Soon, of course, they'll be like creating podcasts as part of fifth grade curriculum, probably. They will. I wish they were already. I know my friend Hans up in Washington is doing it with his seventh and eighth graders, and it's so incredible to put these kids in the driver's seat Absolutely. as they're. I mean, they got to talk to James Hunter, like he's written the book on servant leadership, and they're like in the studio talking to this guy. I, I just can't imagine yeah. what that's going to do for them. Absolutely. Well, technology definitely opens up the door for students and teachers alike just to make the world a little more flat and no one having to work in isolation. And just the, the world is so open with all that we have to learn and technology. Breaking down those walls. So let's start with tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to today. All right. Um, well, I have been a school counselor for 21 years. Um, actually all 21 years in the same elementary school, which is pretty amazing. I know. And I always think that the fact that I've been in the same community has kind of given me the latitude to be creative. Um, because you know, my, my administrators trust me, my, my teachers trust me and, um, and my brain sort of works that way. And that, you know, I like to step out of the box box, but because, I'm in the same community and I I know the, you know, the routine that perhaps if you change schools all the time or every three or four years or even eight years, you kind of have to start over. And for me, I've I've been in the same community and um, I love to create. That's my passion. Um, I never thought of myself as creative um, because I'm not necessarily good at drawing or singing, but um, through the work that we do as school counselors and learning about learning I realized I, I, I've got some creativity in here and I, I manifest and use my creativity in, in lessons and curriculum. So I actually um, wrote a couple curriculum books before uh, Mindset Matters um, on career and academic domains of counseling. But when I started learning more about Carol Dweck's work with Growth Mindset, it was like, 
you know, like the angels sang. And I was like, <laughs> I, I must figure out a way to get this into schools in and in a way that is palatable and, and easy and user friendly. And so that's where Mindset Matters, the, the first of the growth mindset books came from. So you didn't say what grades. Are you middle school? I'm elementary. elementary. Um, so I've been an elementary counselor the duration. Um, I was actually a special education teacher for middle and high schools prior to, to becoming a school counselor. But the curriculum guides that I wrote from Growth Mindset um, is second to seventh grade is the first book. And then the second book, Integrating Growth Mindset into Schools, is actually K-12. Um, so, you know, the curriculum guides really can be, you know, as an educator, you kind of, you, you grab ideas and you adapt it to, you know, what you need. Um, and I found that middle school and high school counselors and educators, they're, they're excited about growth mindset because it speaks to their students overcoming the challenges that, that they have in their lives. So the curriculums go K-12, um, in that order. So like me, you've got um, a lot of experience in all of the grades. Have you really taught or been exposed to all of the grades? When I was a special education teacher, I worked in a psychoeducational center. So um, I worked with kids that were age 12 to 21 that had severe emotional disturbances and disorders. Um, they were SEBD. Um, but that was before my graduate work. And and I think it was probably my richest experience. <laughs> um, I think special educators get to have dog years. So I did it two years. But what does that mean in dog years is like 14 because it, yes. it really is, takes a special person. And, and those years were precious to me in learning um, how to deal with kids that really society has almost given up on. Mm -hmm. um, so my experience there was just dealing with kids in that setting where they really not only had had some illness and, and poverty, but also um, the school system was not working in their favor um, and always for them. But I learned so much those years. And then directly after that went went into elementary school counseling. Got it. So did you jump on board with Mindset in 06 when Dweck wrote the book? No, it was really in like 14. Um, I, I struck when I, I had read about it and I wanted to put it into classrooms. And my first lesson I did in third grade classroom, I remember vividly, <laughs> I said I would I would read sentences and say, you know, open your hand like a tree if it's growth mindset and put a fist if it's fixed mindset. And literally, I left the classroom with like, wah, 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 like a failure. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't go over. And I, I moved on. I was I moved on from it. I was like, this, you know, is not going to be age appropriate. And it wasn't until I was on an airplane, maybe a couple years later, um, maybe in 15, and I saw Dweck's TED Talk. And it just like came through the screen and grabbed me and shook me, especially when she said, you know, if students get a failing paper, what does that tell them? You know, why can't instead of an F, we write on students' papers, not yet? You know, they don't get it, but they have to feel that sense of hope of it's yes, you don't get it, but you don't get it yet. And from there, I created the structure of Mindset Matters that, that 
that wasn't, you know, a failure. And when I say fail, we've heard it before, but a first attempt in learning, Mm -hmm. um, you know, my classroom failure of that one third grade lesson led to me figuring out a better way to implement. Um, and I, I created an acrostic with the M I N D S E T that really provides educators flexibility in teaching, but also a choice in how they deliver the curriculum. Um, so, so now, you know, when I teach growth mindset, even to adults, I use that acrostic, but I, you know, I guess the the first book was published. My my curriculum was published in 2016, um, so it wasn't right on board. But you know, Dweck now has what 25 years of research um, to go along with it, which gives you know us credence and and playing that to our administrators and showing them why it's important to teach. So her no her question. work is her work is just it's colossal. It's just so big what she's done. The um the grade of the not yet really resonates. Sometimes I forget to say that when I'm speaking, but I have said that to them before and that that jumped out to me as well. And But then it kind of sometimes launches into then, why do we even have grades? I'm like, okay, I'm not here to, you know, to create the great debate because right. I, you know, I kind of wonder that as well. I go back to getting a C in sixth grade myself and and fully believing that I stink at science and like shutting down because it was going to be so horrible to go home with the C. I actually tried to physically make it into a B because it was back then when they were handwritten report cards. But C's are kind of curvy and B's curve on the other side. So you can imagine it didn't go over well. And then I got in trouble, not only for the C, but also for trying to, you know, change the report card. But but thinking back, thinking, oh, I can know exactly when my brain shut down. What if I could have gotten a not yet? Right. How powerful that would have been. And I have similar experiences where, you know, in math, my brain was not ready. I, I think I got a C on my first C and I missed the bus on the way home <laughs> because I was crying. And, oh. and what I told my teacher is my parents are going to be so mad. But in fact, I was I didn't know what to do with with not succeeding because I was so used to success and I didn't understand that it's that I just didn't get it yet. And that if we could get grades according to the progress that we make with ourselves, that is a whole nother debate. You're right. But it's one that's, you know, hopefully as education progresses and there's so much innovation, we'll figure out how to have progress, you know, grades that 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 assess the process and the progress rather than you know, the end result at a certain given time. I know it's a debate because you can't, you have to meet standards, but there's got to be some give and take for kids to to feel success, even, you know, if they're learning at a different pace. Right. So before we jump into mindset, specifically growth versus fixed, I have down as a question, why mindset? I think you kind of already answered that, but but why do you feel like the time is now for us to push this message out so strong, not only to kids, but also to their parents and to the teachers who shepherd them? Absolutely. So I think there's two parts. Number one, I think I think it's amazing that there's not a K-12 standard about teaching kids about their brains. Like we have this machine in our heads that runs the cognitive and the self-regulation systems. And we're not, te- you know, I now teach my second graders about 
um, you know, not only the flipping your lid and, you know, brain upstairs and brain downstairs, but also about neurons. And sometimes it's going to go over their heads, but it's time for us to teach kids so that they can learn as they go. And it can be somewhat familiar that they are in charge of their learning, both with their emotions and, you know, social emotional learning and learning how to be kind and learning how to react um, and also their cognition. So I think, it, you know, teaching kids about it, I think there'll be a day where we look back and, and say, I can't believe we didn't, we used to not teach kids about their brains. Right. But also I think, you know, Dweck's work on, praising the process instead of praising intelligence has shown the, you know, it's, it, there's research that shows kids do better when you praise them for their effort because they can get that reward of, oh, you're, you're working so hard on that. I've, I see your effort. They can show the effort to get that praise, but what if they can't show, oh, you're so, you're such a math person. You totally solved that problem when they actually don't know how to solve the problem, how right. can they get that response? So, you know, teaching grownups that work with kids about praising, you know, effort, I think is amazing. And I have parents and teachers are like, did I mess my kid up? I haven't been doing that. <laughs> you know, I have a nine-year-old and I haven't been doing it either. You know, at, you know, as practice, we have to catch ourselves. And I find myself, I always call her a mather. She's a mather. And now I'm like, you're a mather trier, you know, you're working really hard. You have to catch yourself. Yeah. But I think that, I think that kids, even if they're not the straight A kids, the gritty kids are going to show pride in getting praised for that. I was guilty of that as well. As, oh, you guys are so smart. Oh, y'all are going to be National Merit Scholars. You're so right, smart. Right, right. Exactly. And you think, okay, like a one-day snapshot is going to define right. who they are and what they're going to pursue in life. It's crazy talk. I know. I know. it. And the kids, you know, the kids love praise. And they can they can show grit even if they can't show A's. So it's, it's fun to watch. And it's also fun to catch myself because, you know, as you know, when you said I'm a growth mindset guru, I don't, I don't know about that, but I'm in progress for sure, because I'm, I'm working, I'm being gritty on learning about growth mindset. And I love learning about how to help kids be gritty. But um, I catch myself doing the, you know, the thing that I say not to do all the time. So. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Do you have a favorite resource besides your book for um, teaching about the brain? Well, I, you know, I've accumulated, there's such a wide, you know, just a rich body of work on like YouTube and um, people, it's amazing every time I look or people send me new things, there's just new creations all the time. So I've tried to compile a resource list on my blog um, just because it's changing all the time. And, you know, I add things in my lessons from my curriculum new all the time because there's songs that support neuroplasticity and, um, you know, rap songs that support mindfulness and all the stuff that comes up through technology that that supports growth mindset. I love Trevor Reagan's um, Train Ugly dot com. He's brilliant and he creates a lot of great media that supports growth mindset. But I love the fact that it's kind of always growing. Um, but I do love, I would say Train Ugly is probably my go-to. Nice. Okay, so growth mindset deals with skill set, challenges, effort, feedback, and setbacks. Um, 
Carol Dweck really made it a point at our ASCA conference two summers ago to say we are a hybrid of both and not to mm-hmm. be um, misled that it's one or the other. Um, can you kind of speak to a little bit about the difference between when we're in fixed mindset mode and when we're operating in a growth mindset for some of those some of those categories where feedback yes. or effort or challenges are concerned? Yes. Wasn't she fabulous? Oh, Alaska? my gosh. Yeah. I know. I totally snuck up to the front row. I was a little like, excuse me if I elbow you out of the way. But I was I, I just I just find her were I just. You know, it's like some people are idolizing rock stars. I'm like, excuse me, as I <laughs> sit in the front row with this academic. Fan girl here. <laughs> Fan girl. I'm a groupie. Sorry. Um, I know. Um, well, I, you know, it's interesting because after I, I taught about growth mindset and fixed mindset and that didn't work in the classroom, with my elementary kids, I really focus on growth mindset, like what I want to see, not what I don't want to see. But when I talk to staff, um, you know, professional development and parents, I I tell them my weakness. My weakness is I am more fixed mindset with grownups than children. Mm. We we definitely are in that seesaw, all of us. And my my weakness is you know sometimes with educators in my building when I'm trying to work you know with with kids and those teachers are fixed mindset. I get fixed mindset about that, you know, and I get I get a little fixed about not understanding that that grownups sometimes don't get it yet. Um, And I also get fixed mindset with my perfectionism. Um, I think Dweck uses the analogy of a duck who looks very, you know, together over the water and under the water. What are the legs doing? Just, you know, ferociously paddling. Mm -hmm. And I think. You know, when she talks about fixed mindset is wanting to look, you know, the part and the growth mindset is being okay with the messy, with the struggle. And so I I definitely teach more what is growth mindset, but with the grownups, I think we all have to understand that, you know, everybody is a work in progress and we have to not only know that, but model that for our students and for our, our colleagues and parents that we work with. It's a tough world out there. It's hard being human. <laughs> so we got to let our kids know and our, and also the grownups that support them. We're all going to have messy times and we just have to sit in that for a minute and then move on to, you know, either looking at the learning experience or, you know, working to, to make it different. So the book I read this morning was I Am Human by Susan Verity. That's hilarious. I read that with a small group about an hour ago. Yes, and they liked it. You know what they loved the most? The golden wings at the end. Because you never do really see him jump off that diving board. And then he kind of comes back and he's got these golden wings and ends up soaring. And I, I didn't personally, you know, latch on to that. But gosh, they sure did. That's amazing. My students like the scene where they're talking about their differences and listening. Um, and just when the kids are in the book, when it talks about making mistakes, because I think that that's, you know, every, everybody has such a microscope on them now. You know, it's I feel like, you know, parents and teachers are in such close communication and social media, like everybody is so afraid of making mistakes. But that's where we learn 
And today, I, my my group was self-control kids, and we do a lot of mindfulness work um, with them, and that's new for me. I got parent permission, and we're doing a little bit of practicing mindfulness and reading that book, just looking at those kids in their eyes saying, you know, I've heard from two of your teachers today that today's been a tough day, you know, and they look at you like, how do you know that, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's, you know, it's okay to make mistakes, but you have to learn to give yourself forgiveness, but also to ask forgiveness of the people that you might have hurt their feelings or the teacher that you might have disrupted their class. So mistakes is such a huge part, you know, uh, just learning from mistakes, is a huge part of growth mindset. And really goes back to that cognition as well. You know, he calls it subtitled or she, I'm sorry, Susan wrote it, um, a book on empathy. But really, to me, it was as much a book on growth mindset, but the cognitive piece where mm -hmm. mindset really is that initial understanding, that initial cognition that we have to be able to wrap our brains around if we're going to step into somebody else's shoes. Right. And so that powerful. takes the practice. That's that, you know, that's the part that's hard for us to understand is you can't just want it or say, yeah, I should say, I'm sorry. You have to like work. You have to retrain your brain to like work at, at how to make it better next time. And especially for this instant gratification world or the world where self-control is an issue for many people, like just working at that muscle is, is like deliberate practice, which some people don't want to put the time in. It's hard to, for our students, especially. I also told them empathy is hard and it takes practice. And we think empathy should, you know, be kind of easy or, you know, certainly something that we can do without too much trouble once we know about it. But it takes practice and it's hard work. It is hard work. And especially, you know, in the world, we need we need that modeled. And sometimes, you know, that gets tricky in a school because of the world being how it is today, talking and modeling, you know, being kind and being empathetic and understanding other people's perspectives. Um, you know, it, it can be tricky at times, but it is it is something that we have to practice and we have to shout from the rooftops, you know, even though it's a tough world that we live in, we have to teach kids to practice that and that, you know, we're a no place for hate school. And so I love being able to say, you know, we don't do that here, you yes. know. So you're, you're right. Empathy is, is a tough, it's a skill and it's tough. Okay, let's go to the feedback piece. I, I heard a mom say the other day, I told my sixth grader that you, you, your generation is horrible at receiving feedback. You don't want any criticism or feedback. And I thought, okay, wow. I, I sometimes I don't either, you know, I get yeah. it, but, yeah. but it's so important, right? In the growth process for us to solicit feedback, to Absolutely. accept feedback, to not get defensive about it. How do you teach that? Well, I, I think there have been a couple studies I've read about. One is on verbal, written and verbal feedback um, at, on writing. Um, there was a study, and I can't remember the source, but on written feedback on a student's writing. Instead of just marking the grades, writing feedback. And then I saw a video clip on a student with technology giving verbal feedback um, on on for students that they could do on a audio record. And I think... You know, just with the research piece and also with the technology assistance, I think that that will be interesting going forward, having it because relationships create change mm -hmm. and having a relationship with your students and giving them authentic feedback is something 
again, it's a skill to be able to accept feedback. So I think it will be interesting to see the re- how research proceeds on that, on how written and verbal feedback help um, with a growth mindset. And I also think, you know, I think it's interesting for us to give authentic examples. You know, right now I'm I'm reading or, you know, I've read with my third graders a number of, of stories I've tried to get published as children's books. And I've gotten, you know, some some feedback that's constructive and none of none of the manuscripts have been accepted. And my students are like, you know, they're stupid. Why are they taking, your, you know, why aren't they taking those are good stories. And I'm like, you know what? I have, I had a moment of a temper tantrum too, when I got the rejection letters, but honestly, these are people that are experts in the field and I have to take their feedback just like you have to take your teacher's feedback and using authentic examples and also teachers and asking kids for feedback is interesting. Like when I ask the kids for feedback on my stories, you know, I think that they love giving feedback and then they know what that's like when they receive it. But it's hard because, um, you know, critical feedback sometimes can be negative. And, uh, you know, it's interesting talking about it because I keep finding myself saying that's a skill. We have to practice that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for teachers to give authentic, you know, verbal or r- extensive written feedback takes time. And that's that's a luxury a lot of educators don't have as well. So that's that's an obstacle for sure. I think one of the things in college I hated the most was you would get a paperback and like, I don't know, it have a 90 on it. And there wasn't a single comment. Right. And you're thinking, okay, well, I guess a 90 is good. It's an A and move on. But like, how are you ever going to get better as a writer, as a student, as a learner, if there wasn't anything good or bad, um, constructive or critical, right? Right. And that's, you know, with deliberate practice, like how can you practice with deliberation on a specific skill if you don't know which skill in that paper was lacking? Um, So, you know, I think, you know, deliberate practice and deliberate coaching is part of it. You know, if you have a great coach in a sport or in a musical instrument, you're you're bound to get better. But, you know, that's for education as well. So, you know, again, I think the time that teachers don't have in grading papers goes back to the grades versus the progress. But um, but there is some research, and I think there'll be some more coming out to show you know teachers how they can improve st- students adopting a growth mindset. The research is crazy out there. It's just going, going, going. So many books mindset. coming on yeah. the market. The innovator's yeah. mindset, the mathematical yes. mindset. You know, Totally. And, Joe Bowler. Nothing George you Corey. can't do. Yeah, Mary Kay Riki. Arishi, yeah. So, it, it's... but Twitter has opened my eye, you know, because I know you're 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 um, on Twitter a lot, and I I learn from you so much. But I, all those other educators, I I wouldn't know about their work if it wasn't for the innovation of Twitter. So, you know, I'm I feel very much a newbie on Twitter. I'm kind of a voyeur, but but it's it's part of my growth mindset of where I learn so much too. It really is amazing um, professional learning. Yeah. 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 Okay, we're going to switch gears because I see that we're running toward the finish line. We could just just talk for hours, couldn't we? I feel like we could. (laughs) And they needed to let us sit at that table when we were signing books a little bit longer and not rush us into sessions. Self-care and mindfulness. Now, I heard you say you're an author, you're a school counselor, you're a wife, you're a mom, you're wearing a lot of hats. How do you care for yourself as we all know you can't serve from an empty vessel? 
Yes, what a great question. Um, well, I really feel like um, there were, I think it was on the pedagogy of education. I can't remember the cults. I can't cult, remember what yeah. the sources where the, they talk about the marigold effect, mm-hmm. where you have to surround yourself with, with marigolds who help, you know, marigolds help tomato plants. Um, and you have to, you have to surround yourself with people that are going to be your marigolds and just help you grow. And I feel like, you know, I feel like I've really hit the jackpot and where I landed as a job because the training I've gotten in Cobb County has helped me understand the ask a national model and how to implement, you know, a developmentally appropriate program, but also like just the individuals that that I'm that support me on my good days and bad days and my administrator. I think, you know, my family, my my daughter is like she thinks she's a junior counselor and she <laughs> she wants to create lessons with me. And my husband supports, you know, me traveling and growing my brain in, in ways that like still seem surreal to me that I get to do. So I think just that surrounding yourself with people that let you practice the pause. You know, because mm-hmm. you got to, you know, have those moments to go get a foot massage and, you know, watch the brain candy TV and, you know, read your I mean, I love reading and I go to bed fairly early to recharge my battery. But I think that those relationships that allow that growth is like key. So I think that's my my self-care is is you know, I do the things, but I, I think the people are, are just the, the key to my self-care. Nice. You also referenced mindset, mindset, I'm sorry, mindfulness so briefly when you said, because you wanted to secure p- permission. I know there's a little bit of a debate because it has its roots in Buddhism, but it's also, gosh, when you just talk about pausing and being intentional about your breath, that's yeah. not really all that spiritual. It's just... Good practice. Um, Are you dabbling in any mindful practices for yourself? For myself, I, I would say that I am, it's so funny that you asked that because the most time that I practice mindfulness is number one with my small group that I've been just kind of, you know, forming. I actually, when we do any um, YouTube guided body scans, I practice with them. That feels and good. Just bring, huh? yeah, mm-hmm. And just bring, yeah, well, and bringing your brain back to central. You know, my brain will wander yeah. or I'll want to check on the students to see how, you know, they're experiencing the practice. And just bringing your brain back to central. Um, in that moment helps me when I'm in some other, like I was sitting at a wedding and I was sweating to pieces and I had to practice mindfulness there just so that I wasn't in that sensing phase. You can, you know, just throwing your attention from sensing to thinking, um, some of the work I've done in terms of research has helped me when I, you know, am in traffic and I have a, you know, an unpleasant moment, (laughs) Um, you know, with my family, when I I overreact, I think the work I've done with my students has really helped me bring bring my brain back to focus. But um, I definitely want to want to do more of it. I don't do enough personally with the mindfulness. Have, Have you have you practiced any of those apps? Like the calm or anything right, like that. Right, I've got calm. I've got headspace. Um, I just d- downloaded Shine this week. 
I find the screens a little counterintuitive because I like the idea of unplugging and getting outside. Yeah. I sit by yeah. my pool. I mean, I have other ways to relax. But man, some of those guided um, meditations, like Calm is such a great app. Is that your favorite one? I think so, so far. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, because I really, that's on that's on my growing to-do list is to do that. But you say I'm plugging. I do find myself, I take some of my social media stuff off of my phone yes. when I feel overstressed so that I can only check it on my desktop because I do feel like the noise from, from all of those sources sometimes does uh, weigh me down. Yeah, I went ahead and took notifications off. And just to not have that red four glaring yeah. at me. <laughs> Yes, yes, I did it's that so as well. great. Okay, yeah. so where can listeners um, connect with you, find you, grow with you, um, be in your orbit? Probably the best two places are um, on Twitter. I'm L King Counselor, okay. and then my website is LisaKingCounselor.com. And I know that's a treasure trove of growth mindset stuff. Well, thanks. I'm so glad to connect with you. It's so fun to talk to you. Thank you. I really appreciate you carving out the time today. I want to thank you. And um, of course, we, I'll have you back. You can come and talk about growth mindset or emotional regulation or whatever you want to talk about. Um, maybe when those picture books are released. Yes. When I have my, my success story and I can say, I went from the not yet to it's here. I will, uh, I will for sure keep you posted. And I, I look forward to that process. And I look forward to keeping posted with you and following you. And I just appreciate being invited on today. Well, I'm grateful for you. And I'm also grateful for my listeners. A reminder that this podcast is supported by ProSign Design, a family-owned business dedicated to character, safety, and organization. Join us next week as to continue the conversation about character education, connections, and life. If you liked what you heard, we would love your reviews on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And in the meantime, remember to enjoy the holiday and that character speaks.